People say that it takes a village to bring up a child. But what do you do when village life is a thing of the past? You join Mama Social Co. We are a parenting organisation that creates support, events, activities and connection for real parents. Come join us on our weekly talk and walk sessions, play sessions and much more. Please join our community through our Instagram and Facebook page at Mama Social Co. Or join the socials by subscribing via our website at www.mamasocialco.co.uk. You don't have to be isolated or alone. Come bridge the gap between nature, nurture and community. Hi Hannah, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Me too. I can excited to be. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Oh, good. amazing. Um, so for our listeners, could you just tell us a little whistle stop tour of who you are, what you do, how many children you have, and just relationship status? Let's have it. Yeah, so um I'm Hannah. I am the proud owner of Flamingo Calf in Seam. Um, and I am single mum to my gorgeous seven-year-old son junior um I live in Sunderland but work in Seam. Oh, amazing so how long how long have you been a single mum for then so me and my little boy started split when he was about 18 months um I'm a so we've got a great relationship and we co-parent is it always been a great relationship or was it has there been some bumps in the road there's been some bumps in the road um I think yeah it hasn't been smooth sailing I think we kind of got to a good place um probably maybe six months after we split up um but it's great he has him half the week he has him like maybe two or three nights a week and then I have him the rest of the week and we help each other out when we go on holidays um so I've, I've got it quite good for as far as single parenting goes I think oh, I think that's half the battle isn't it finding a good oh, egg it is it is should we get into the nitty-gritty of why you're here so I asked you on to share your untold story something that you haven't shared with many people that could hopefully connect with our listeners and either help people or guide people for the support they require um so the floor is yours okay so um about three years ago junior junior had just started school and he had some issues with his speech. Now, um, I know that they don't like to put kids in like speech therapy and do tests for certain learn difficulties when they're quite young. Um, but school has kind of pushed and pushed it. 
So we did some speech therapy sessions, weren't really getting anywhere. And Abby kind of came out of reception when it was all play-led learning and went into year one, they realised that Junior really struggled academically. Um, so he got put on the waiting list for um, people like CAMS and SIPs, if you're familiar with them. But young people's kind of counselling services and he had some sessions and kind of every healthcare professional he saw said kind of like really geared it towards um, autism. So he went through the whole process, which is still ongoing now, but it probably took about two years. Um, and he saw educational psychologists, that's kind of the, the second from last tick of the box from getting a diagnosis. He came into school and did a report, did a bit of an assessment on him, rang me with the report after and confirmed that Junior's very likely to have um, autism, which had already kind of had on the table and looked into and he also has ADHD uh, which is something I hadn't thought of until I read up and thought you know the shoe actually fits and he has something else called dysgraphia which is kind of like um, really struggling to hold a pen to paper and it's, it's a it's a form of um, dyslexia it falls in that kind of category so I had to do a little bit of homework because you know having all these things individually is fine to look up on but having them all together creates kind of a bit of a cocktail. Um, so I did my research. It was a bit of a shock when at first, but I did my research and looked into it. I've learned as a parent how to kind of manage them, which is great. I know where his strengths lie and where to champion him. I know where to pick him up. You know, he, he has quite low self-esteem. So I think he must go to school and just think, like, I'm failing, I'm failing. Um, you know, he can't read all right now. Still, he's in year three, God bless him. Um, he can't really spell. Um, and, you know, it must, it must be a bit crap, like, you know, going to school and watching all of your friends and his best friends so academic and they're writing stories and they're writing, you know, labelling things. And, you know, he gets put in a smaller group, but he, if for anyone, adult or child, you must kind of think, oh, wait a minute, I kind of, I can't do that. Um. And he went through a stage where he would come home quite a lot um, saying, you know, I'm really stupid. Why am I so stupid? I want to kill myself. Um, he was saying a lot. This was the this was the worst kind of the, the dip in it. This was before we saw the Ed site. This was before it got really, really pushed. Um, so, yeah, that was upsetting to hear from you kind of, I think it was about five or six, saying every night, you know, I really want to kill myself. I don't think he really understood what it meant. But, you know, that coming out of a child's mouth was... It was hard. It was tough. It was tough. And how how did you feel about that though? Like as a parent, having you know, a or wanting to protect your child from everything, and then well, that's what you that's what you want to do. And you know, you it, it made me sad. It made me kind of it made me feel a bit like a bit a bit of a failure, even though I knew it wasn't anything I was doing. It was just kind of you know, I shower them I shower them at home so much with love the perks of being a single parent who were only child <laughs> um it gets my full attention you know mommy and I'm there um can what we're doing today where we're going you know we go everywhere together he's like he's like my actual best friend um and it was hard because I do so much with him and show him so much love I tell him every day I go junior what I go love you he goes oh god <laughs> <laughs> um you know I'm constantly kissing the face off him and getting him little treats and watching things with them and playing with them so to have them come home from school which was you know for me I, I loved school I was so academic and I was so social that 
school was like a fun place for me. So I had him coming home from school, saying things like that, you know, really, really got to me. Um, I reached out with the school and the school were really supportive. Um, they kind of, they couldn't, I suppose, give me any parenting advice, but they really supported him in school and really pushed for him to see healthcare professionals. Um, but yeah, I think when you're a single parent, you're kind of doing it on your own. You know, you can tell your friends or your family members, but when you live alone and you're dealing with it in the moment alone, you know, when he's lying in bed saying at me, you're on your own. You know, you, you then go into the next room and go to bed on your own. And I think that was probably the struggle because if there was days that I didn't want to talk about it, then no one would know that he was saying these things. Um, and sometimes I find that talking about it helps and other days I find that actually I just want to put it at the back of my mind because talking about it opens up a can of worms in an hour-long conversation with a friend who wants to help then you just think I want to put the put the lid back on um it's like it's too big to sort out in an hour so what's the point in talking about it exactly and it's kind of like once you told them once it was like when he said it the next time like can people be asked <laughs> to listen to like the noise says that so yeah that was that was the hardest bit it was self-esteem um what, what did your um ex-partner you, you obviously spoke to him about that then did you yeah I did um he kind of he's you know he's a really good dad but he's a typical kind of man I think women are a little bit a little bit more emotionally connected to children the emotions he's a kind of tough love kind of dad so loves them a bit and just lovely things with him. But it's kind of like, you know, pick yourself up, sort yourself out, son. So I think he kind of just brushed it off, I suppose. So it was me living with it. And I think because he masks a lot going to his dad's house, if, you know, anyone's got a child with autism, they'll know what masking is. If not, it's kind of when children aren't as comfortable um, when they're in, when they're not in their, like, comfortable surroundings and environment. So they act normal. Um they just, you know, they they'll they'll put a front on so they won't they won't have a meltdown and they won't say these negative things. But then he would come home and it would kind of be like it would it would ramp up because he'd been away for a couple of nights in his and then he'd come home to a safe, comfortable place with his with his mummy and it would be worse. So even though I know he was happy and I kind of had to take that as a compliment that he let it all out at home. It was the same in school. He didn't say things like that as a teacher's. You know, he would, he would, so he was frustrated and he'd, he'd get a lot, like, you know, get to have play times in between lessons. But, you know, school didn't see any of that. Um, but again, it's because when they're in a safe place, they think they can let it all out. So do you think, um, so, oh, no, school had picked up on it, but was that more of the academic side? So yeah. your, so Junior doesn't have any of the social aspects of autism or does he? Does he does I think it's a bit of a tricky one with school um teachers don't like to be the one to mention things and I think because the academic side of it they can say and then it was opened up about autism but I think it was probably me who kind of said the first word on it um and then so, so then that led to conversations about his social behavior you know he, he gets up a lot he struggles in social groups he likes one-on-one he doesn't like to be in groups of friends because he struggles that their attention spread. And he's still like that now. You know, I'll say, do you want to invite a couple of friends over for a Halloween party? And he says, oh, no, just one. Because otherwise he gets worried that if there's a couple of them, they'll all go off and leave him out. 
and it's like a bit it's becoming a bit of a fear for him bless him um so yeah he, do, he does struggle socially a little bit so how are you supposed to integrate that into his his personality or are you just not are you just supposed to just let it organically develop this is the thing it's I think, I think it's best to let it organically organically develop and I think from past experience and from seeing him kind of evolve and get over certain things I've learned that's one of the things I've learned as a parent over the last year or two is sometimes don't stress too much and just let it evolve let it grow um naturally because I feel like if you stress too much on one particular thing and changing it, I've I've done it myself. I let it consume me. You know, waiting for healthcare professional appointments, I've completely let them consume me for about six months. You know, waiting for dates, getting frustrated because one step that I thought was final then led to another step. Um, and I push it to the back of my mind now. He still hasn't got his official diagnosis. So when could he get that? Oh, oh, Kaylee, honestly, he's been on the waiting list to get that for well over a year now. And My God. In that, um, I'd get a phone call on a certain date, so I cleared my diary. I took the morning off work ready for this phone call. Because I've had the case files quite big, they can just kind of sign off. Um, they don't even have to see them or they can just kind of have a really quick appointment so I got a phone call and the phone call ended up being just off uh admin lady asking if everything was okay and just to let me know that I was still on the waiting list oh my god I was not impressed you know I kept saying I know it's not your fault personally but this is just ridiculous you know you need to be really clear in your letters you know it was an NHS trust um letters in it'll be with you know such and such will ring you at this time so I honestly thought that this was like, this was it, um, you know, and it, when he does get official diagnosis, will it open up anything, any extra help for me? Who knows? I think, I don't think anything will really change. I think it's more for, I suppose, peace of mind. And if he is really struggling still, as he kind of progresses through junior school, um, it'll be getting him at EHCP, which is their educational healthcare plan, um, which He's likely to need when he goes into secondary school, and it would be really good if he could get one now. So, how, what, what support would he get for that? Would it be academic? It would be academic, yeah. So, it would be support for school, and um, they would kind of get like a pot of funding specifically to use for him. And um, they are very tight with them, so I'm not living in too much hope that he'll get one. But the educational psychologist did say that he needed one mm-hmm. because of his, his, his brain. What did he say? described it as like spaghetti junction in there because everything's kind of intertwined with each other bless them um I've kind of got over I was very academic in school and I think that I'm over the fact that if he struggles with reading and writing it's just going to be one of those things and he'll either get it or he won't and I think as long as he's got some support in school keeping his like morale and things up so he's not kind of feeling inadequate all the time then as long as I've got a happy boy I'm a happy mom. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you know, but I've got learning disabilities. So I'm dyslexic, dyspraxic and waiting for a full diagnosis of ADHD. But oh. I definitely, definitely have it. <laughs> um, and all the way through school, it was always, it was always an issue, the academic classes. But 
the biggest thing that my parents did was instill confidence to never, never accept that you're, it's all right to not know what you're doing. And what they would do is say, if you don't understand something, Kaylee, put your hand up, ask the question. And they instilled that confidence in me to go, excuse me, I don't know what's going on. Now in secondary school, in junior school, that was great. In secondary school, it got to the point where some of the teachers thought I was just, you know, taking the piss, um, attention seeking. And it was back then, I didn't get diagnosed until my first day at university, my first lecture. My lecturer pulled us aside and just said, have you ever had any formal, you know, diagnosis? And I was like, no, my mum and dad pushed for it, but it always got knocked back. Um, And was this for ADHD, Kayleigh, or was this for dyslexia? For everything. So what what my my dyslexia, you know, you were saying your son's got a form of dyslexia and it's to do with the pen to paper thing. Um, mine is working memory. So I've, I've got a really good working memory. Everything goes into here, but doesn't, I've got no filter system. So it doesn't go in the short term or a long term. So your brain will get information in the working memory and it'll go, I'll keep that in the long yeah. term because I need to know her name because she she's a customer that comes in all of the time mine just all sits in the working memory so it's really good for my past job my past job as a performer I would learn lines straight away I would learn dances immediately I retained information really well but then as soon as I was out of shows or, or didn't need that piece of information it literally evaporated there's no way I could even remember it so the reason I didn't get diagnosed as a child was I got great results, but it was just because I memorized everything. So you spell and be, I always got 10 out of 10. But then the teacher would ask me the next day, how do you spell that? And I wouldn't know. And because I could spell it at that moment in the test, it, yeah. it was just, it was a really strange way of processing in my brain. And I hadn't obviously come across it. So as a child who lived with supportive parents, that's the only thing I think that a parent should do for a child with difficulties is instill confidence to never accept that something is all right without knowing exactly what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I that's a re- that's a good one. That's a good point, actually. That's one that I'll um. That's one that I'll definitely take away and think about how I can implement that with junior. Yeah, because that's all you need. Like, you don't. You look at all these successful people, don't you? Have have they sat their GCSEs? Have they got their A levels? And you're just like, possibly not. But nope. are they are they good people? Are they kind? Are they respectful? Are they grafters? In teachers block your ears, but you don't need education. Go far in life. You literally don't, you know, I know really successful people who haven't been very academic and, you know, you, it might be winging it for a little bit, you know, with the paperwork side of things, but you don't, you don't need, I, I didn't go to uni, I didn't do A-levels, I was academic, but I just didn't choose that route and, you know, look, I've had very good successful jobs along along the way before I started my business, so I don't worry and Jamie is very, it's, the way his brain works, he's very, um, like he's very matter of factly and he's very um he, he's really creative so if any of it you'll see solutions to things 
so I was in the air a few weeks ago I was in in big and m's went in for some washing powder came out with a cabinet in a <laughs> classic b and m and I hadn't got a trolley obviously for my washing powder that I'd planned on getting I just had a basket ram full of loads of other shit that I didn't need and um I had this this big flat pack unit to carry so I was trying to like kind of push it along the floor and it was kind of upright long ways like portrait and I was trying to kind of push it and kick it and um and then I had it on the floor and then Junior saw me struggling Junior says ma'am why don't you just do this and he kind of laid it down on its like short side and then he kind of bent down and then he was whizzing it around pushing it and I mean really my adult brain should have thought of that but it didn't and for him to kind of see like I just get amazed by him every day because yes he can't read or write and he's not academic and he's very forgetful but for his brain to work like that not many seven-year-olds would have thought oh my mum's struggling I'm gonna I'm gonna think of a solution and then I'm gonna take control I actually I I call I call my my disabilities my superpower because it makes me see completely different to anybody else so I've also got a year and a half ago got diagnosed with something called visual snow syndrome which is basically like you're on LSD sometimes where patterns move, things move, um, static over your eyes all of the time. Um, and I've been, I've done that since I was tiny and I always just thought that was, that was how I creatively saw. Sometimes music has colour when I'm listening to it and people who don't have these social disabilities or academic disabilities or that our society has put into a box box of saying this is a rubbish thing to have can't can't visually see the things that or the way like your junior just went well that's a stupid why isn't she not doing the simple thing what boom 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 off he goes like I love it it's honestly it's a superpower and you just got to instill that in him I know. Do you know what? I think I, I agree. I totally agree. Some of the things that he's, that he's done since he's little have just blown my mind. But the, the issue I've got is addressing it with him. So he's at the age now where, you know, he thinks for himself. He's got his own mind. If he doesn't want to do something, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to do it. And I ask him for his opinion on things. You know, he's, he's his own little, like, he's a, he's a like, little human, like proper little man. And I don't want him to be defined by his learning difficulties. Um, but I also, like you say, would like to highlight that his brain works differently and can actually be work in a better way than other people's. So I kind of, you know, when we go places, we went to climbing wall and he struggles in groups if he's learning something. So, you know, he does like one-on-one swimmer lessons and he has like a one-on-one tuition and he would go to one-on-one like football lessons, but he would never do them in a group because he just, he, he would have to be kind of pulled back in and he goes off on a tangent. He's not stimulated and kept kind of in the room. So I find myself quite often have it all, um, having to kind of say to people, we went to climb a wall and he was in a group and he just wanted to leave because he'd been left to last to climb the wall. Of course, he was standing there bored. And then if or instantly he was like, I hate it, I hate it. So the guy who owns it kind of saw us on the way out stopped I suppose a bit like oh god it's like something happened and I kind of 
I find myself whispering quite a lot of his ESD um, because I haven't broached the subject with him. And I like I say, I don't want it to define him, but sometimes I would rather people know that he's got some difficulties so that they don't just think he's rude. You know, we've had instances um, socially where people have came up and really been in his face saying, hi, how are you? How's school? Have you just finished school? Oh, look at this. Oh, this is nice. Is this your bag? And, and he's just like, oh my God. Like, you can't even, you can't even look at them. In, I mean, he struggles with eye contact anyway, but he can't even look at them and he, he feels really, really socially awkward. So I have to kind of explain to get people to back off. Um, but you know, this, this he'll, he'll, he'll click on one day, and I know he's going to ask, you know, man, why, why, why have you said this? Why do you say use this word? Why do you, you know, what's autism or what's ASD? And I would rather it not get at that stage. I would rather have the conversation with him before, but it's kind of finding the right way to tell him, and then not letting it define him. How have you broached all of these? You know, all of the extra appointments and things how did you what have you said to him about that like why have you been going to these things um so I mean to be honest he doesn't ask he doesn't ask many questions about things like that he just he, he, I suppose he's recently started being a bit more switched on but he's just like he just goes with the flow yeah. so it's good because when he's there it obviously puts him at his, at his height of um, discomfort so when the educational psychologist saw him he was it, it wasn't on a school day it was the holidays and he saw him in the headmaster's kind of office and I had to leave him and he was in his own clothes so we went to school when it was closed and there was no one there and I, on the way there I'm thinking oh god this is like just going to be awful so I had to kind of say when, when you come out we're going to go for ice cream we're going to get a McDonald's we're going to go to the soft play to kind of so he had a treat at the end so I left him with this, you know, this man in like this like crispy suit and he had like his hair gel back and his briefcase. And I just thought, oh, God. But to be honest, it was probably for the best because Junior was so, all of it must have been so uncomfortable. He paced the room. He played with things. He fiddled. He, he said a couple of times that he was stupid. And although it was really hard to hear and think about him, he was only there for like 45 minutes. And I think it was good that the educational psychologist got to see him like that. And it's been the same with all of his appointments because he's in a new room with someone he doesn't know. Um, I've been asked to leave the room for a couple of, it was like therapy sessions. I mean, I get called back in like 60 seconds later because like, yeah, we can't get anything out of him like at all. He doesn't engage with anyone. Um, now if I'm there and, he, and it was in, in at home and they came out to home to see him, it would be a different story because he would be in his own environment and he'd be chatting on and he'd be chatting to me and interacting really quite like, I suppose, neurotypical behaviour. You wouldn't really think anything different unless you're an outsider and you're in a, in a strange location. But really, he hasn't really asked. He asked about his speech therapy because I think in his head, he speaks norm like normally. He speaks fluently um, and he, get, he used to get quite frustrated and I, I made the mistake of saying oh like, mommy's just got like bad ears and doesn't understand it and I, th and I said it so much I thought now he's going to realize because other people can't understand him when I got my full diagnosis so I went through all this like um the psychologist sitting down and it was it was actually like a a two-month period of 40 minutes every week for two months and the file I got my brain I'm just like oh my 
incredible. It's amazing to see. Now, when we got that diagnosis and when we got that file, it it was like knowledge is power. So it didn't define me, but what it did was made me feel like, oh, I'm not stupid. Like, because there was teachers, especially in secondary school, that would call us thick. Stop being thick. Because one day I'd be able to spell something, and the next day I wouldn't even know how I've put that, that word together, even the word the. Sitting them down at the earliest possible part and just saying, you know what? You've been blessed with a superpower, with the ability to see situations, patterns, design, completely different to anybody else. And this is why you might struggle at some parts, but you can do this and that. And because it honestly, it just makes you go, thank fuck. <laughs> like, and obviously he, he isn't going to say that, but that's how might- I- <laughs> probably. <laughs> but that's how I felt. And I, I, it is just me. But really, when you um, found out, 18. 18. 18. So I'd had. It, the psychologist had said it's harder to diagnose an adult because for 18 years you've put strategies in place to help yeah, yeah. so like counting on my fingers counting on my toes your junior is going to have all of that amazing support from day one so yeah. embrace embrace it with open arms and just be like it isn't an embarrassing thing it's no. it's incredible no, that's a good that's a good outlook. That's a good way to put it. He's um yeah, that is a good way to put it. I think I'll kind of d- dissect a good plan to then put together, kind of take bits of advice from different sources mm-hmm. and and have a um have a chat with them and see. He let he'll end up using it as an excuse for everything though. <laughs> me ADHD kicking in <laughs> <laughs> so your childhood then what what was your childhood like um I mean pretty normal um I grew up on a council estate with my mom who also single parented um I've got four brothers so lived oh, in a wow mad house I am the eldest so I had four younger brothers so I mean when I found out I was having a boy I was so disappointed because I'd just been around them I wanted something new and shiny that I didn't know about um but yeah my eldest brother like the next one down from me I think he's uh, 29 and then I'm I'm 33 and then the youngest is actually 17 oh, so wow. yeah so I was like kind of grown up and leaving school when the last one was born so yeah madhouse total madhouse just constant constantly had a house full um, you know, waking up every morning, me mum running up and down the three floors, trying to wake everyone up, stomping with her heels on. She's a teacher, so we'd all have to kind of be bundled into a car or on a bus at the same time as her leaving. Um, don't think we got fed breakfast. I think it was too be fed. Um, I think when I was really young, I used to get me coat warmed in front of the fire, but I mean, all that stops when there's four coming after you. <laughs> What's your... um? What's one misunderstanding, or like your biggest misunderstanding about parenting before you were a mother? Oh, that you can plan. <laughs> that you can plan anything. That you can plan a bath. Or that you can plan, 
you know, your baby sleeping in its own room, that you can plan holidays without pining for your child, um, that you can even plan an outfit because, you know, when they're little, you can't even get out the house without, you know, sticky handprints or shit up you. <laughs> True. I'm in that stage with Eva. Yeah, no planning. Um, I remember I had, like, this really, like, ideal of when I was going to be a mum and um, we got all the house renovated and we got the nursery done, lovely mural. Um, I guess how much I love you, you know, the, the bunny rabbits. Beautiful mural, I think, cost a few hundred pounds. Cot, um, sofa, a sofa bed, like armchair from DFS, brand new. Oh, everything was beautiful. I didn't like go in that room at all. Like, we never slept in that room. We were moved out for 18 months, and he, for 18 months, he didn't like, no, he slept in my bed the whole time. Never even saw his mural to appreciate it. <laughs> I would have took the mural and moved it to the next house. Never, never sat, didn't even, the sofa bed was used as the laundry chair. Um, so yeah, I think in my head I was like, oh, he's going to, it was funny because I, when I'd, when I'd had him, I got kept in hospital overnight. And you know when they come and wake you up, Jim, and the checks? Mm-hmm. And every, I think it's every three hours and the, 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 the check baby and you've got to feed them. So when I got home, I was like, this new baby. And I'd had brothers. But when it's your own, it's like you kind of everything you've learned, you forget because you've just got this sole responsibility. You're like, ah. So I'd, um, I'd got home and I remember saying to his, his dad, he says, oh, like, well, like, do I think I need to set an alarm for every three hours? And he said, what do you mean? I says, well, that's what time they were like, they were telling us to feed him every three hours in hospital. He says, oh, yeah, could do. He, Kaylee, first night, I thought, what on earth? No alarm needed, of course, because <laughs> when baby wants to wake up um and I think I'd put him in his own room that first night for about 20 minutes <laughs> and he never went back in so no. yeah no, no planning you know baby sleeping in his own bed or setting these alarms for feeds I think they lead the way don't they really Definitely. The it. they lead the way and he's still leading the way now god bless him mm-hmm. so is there a biggest regret that you've had as a parent and have you learned anything from it yeah do you know I would say that it's comparing especially now that kind of junior's extra needs uh kind of on the table I did take a lot of criticism from kind of friends with kids you know about his behavior when he was little and about just um, not I suppose doing things um at the at the right time and I think even if they didn't mean it in a bad way which I'm sure they didn't it kind of I got quite defensive and I kind of I took it to heart and I took it as like a bit of a hit on my parenting you know my um I spent a lot of time with him we went to toddler groups and things but I had a friend who had a baby who was younger than him and she was oh god I think she was maybe a year younger and she was singing nursery rhymes um, you know, she would point at like something and she would say that's blue when she was like just over one. Junior, is, he was only was saying it was mom. And I think I compared so much. I wish I could rewind time, go back and enjoy his toddler years without worrying about his, his stage as he was at, what he was doing, what he wasn't doing, what other people's kids were doing the same age. And I wish I just enjoyed him a little bit more. It makes us broody because I want to do it all over again, knowing this. 
so I can enjoy it and not have to stress. Um, but yeah, no more kids on the cards at the minute. <laughs> no, we wanted three, but we're, we're done after either. That's two <laughs> just two that will do you just need everything more you need a bigger car you need a bigger house you know oh no we're done you go on holiday you don't have enough hands i've got no. one for freddie and one for eva and that's enough that is the max i to get the toes out and start like you know like him like using <laughs> Board, imagine. I, I do quite often they might be like I'll be cooking the tea and then Eva will be like pulling on my leg for something so I'm like grabbing shutting the door with my foot oh it's just the multitasking of life is mad yeah mum life um what would you like Junior to remember about his childhood our bond mm. I think I say I'm I'm so lucky Dave I, I think I'm lucky to be doing it on my own you know me and him have so much time together and he gets all of my attention and we go on trips and things and we go to parks and we go to soft plays and the beach and I hope that he remembers all this when he's older I think he's at the age now where I think you you retain memories um but yeah because we we have so many lovely times together that it would be nice and you know I try to take as many photos as I can and he hates it. He's like, put your camera away. And it's not, I don't post them all on social media. I post a couple, but um, a lot of them are just just for me, just to look back on. And, you know, when he's older, for him to have a little flick through and see all the all the lovely things, you know, sitting on swings together and being silly, going on slides and lying at the beach and looking at cloud shapes. I just hope he, hope he remembers that. Yeah, there's, there's one thing about my brain that I don't like is I can't remember a lot of things, especially with my childhood. So I'd be like, oh, I'm going to take Freddie to this place. I've never done anything like this. Da, da, da. My mom's like, yeah, you did. We did that all of the time. And like photos back then, you know, we just had photo albums. And I just love looking back. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. we Like, I can't remember holidays. I can't. I can remember traumatic things. Obviously, that sticks in a completely different place. But yeah, like the the memory side of the disability is is the thing that is is painful sometimes when you're like oh like I actually can't remember any of that story that you're telling me about so take as many pictures to remind Junior of something can, can I ask you a question actually yeah. um so with the ADHD side mm-hmm. do you struggle remembering people so that's more my dyslexia so that's me work and memory issues and me ADHD is my it's different in females to males so males is more um external part of energy so they've got so much energy and the brain is moving around and they have to move whereas with women it's thought processes so I can be having a conversation and I'm thinking of 12 different things I think that's women in general but it but everybody's different but I honestly think just be as open and supportive which I I know you will be yeah yeah always Mm -hmm. always so you always wanted a family then oh yeah um I always wanted like to be honest and it's only been recently I've kind of took my focus off 
you know, or I'd like to have more kids because junior, I think I see the flip side of having an only child now. I think because I'm from such a big family, man, I think there's, so I've got four brothers and then I've got, oh God, about maybe about 15, 14, 15 cousins. And we're all really similar age and we're, we're all really close. I mean, my cousins are more like my brothers and sisters. And I'm closer to them than I am my actual brothers. Um, and we've got such a close family that I, I was just like, that's all I knew. You know, we'd have sleepovers every weekend and we'd have family Christmas parties and summer parties and birthday parties. And we're just a really close family. And I think I, I wanted that for Junior. But now I think, do you know what? He's so lucky. He's got my, my undivided attention you know, we go, we go on holiday together. I took my weight on my own to Cyprus this summer and I was so chewed in the lead up. And I don't know why, because it was an absolute dream. It was great and I would do it again. Um, and he gets to enjoy all this, you know, when he's older. I can imagine me and him, like, going to New York for a couple of days and, you know, just jetting off for a few days in the sun in the summer. Um, and, you know, like, like, like you, you touched on, once you have more, that's that stops especially with an age gap like I've, I, like I've got now if I had one now if I got pregnant now what junior will be like eight nine and that's a quite a big age gap to entertain to kind of keep him entertained and do all the things he likes mm-hmm. which is now all the time and then have to entertain you know a newborn or a toddler so I've kind of come to the idea that if I don't have any more that's okay definitely absolutely I hate this the the phrase of like only child syndrome yeah what is that about like I, I've, I know brats that have uh, brats of who are kids that have four children have four oh, brothers and sisters yeah it's but it's just next it's just a I feel an excuse people use isn't it but um for the bad behavior yeah but, you know I, I would I still tell junior off just as much as I would if there was another child there yeah do you see any similarities in your mum's parenting to your parenting? Um, like, have you mirrored any behaviour that you learned as a child? Probably, I mean, me and my mum were, like, more, I suppose, like, friends rather than having, like, a mother-daughter relationship. Um, I think it's probably the opposite. I probably became a better parent because of what she lacked in. Um, I don't mean that I sound awful, like I love my mum, but I do think that I'm a better parent from her downfalls because I've thought I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> um, so, you know, every I do see the positive and everything and that is the way I work. So rather than seeing negatives and things, I think, do you know what? That's made me a bit a better person. So lucky junior. <laughs> was your mum a young parent then or yeah I think she fell pregnant with me when she was at uni when she was about 24 so youngish um and yeah she was with me she split up from my dad when I was only a few months old I think she had postnatal depression um and then she married my stepdad well who's my stepdad for, for 10 years um when I was about one or two and then she's remarried now to my new stepdad, Neil, and he's lovely. Um, and he's like, I mean, Junior just calls him grandpa. So Junior's got like this like team of grandpas on the go now. 
So what's your biggest fear for junior growing up? Um, I think, honestly, probably the judgment and the comments from other people um, touching on his obviously learning difficulties. I just hope that he doesn't suffer too many, like, kind of people pointing out that he's different and in a negative way. Um, you know, you can't protect them from the big wide world. You'll go to secondary school and lads will have the lad banter and stuff. Um, and I just hope, you know, he is quite sensitive. And I just hope that he kind of lets things go over his head. I, don't, I hope he doesn't have to experience too much. So we have a closing tradition on our podcast, Miss Hannah. Oh, what is this? So this is the parenting tip jar. I don't oh. I I'd stop all of the time on jar like it's some sort of like surprise. Um so parent tip jar. Yeah. What we've done is um some beautiful humans on our Instagram um have put in parent tips. So what we are doing is I'll pull one out. I'll read it out to you because you're not here. You're in your house and I'm in mine. Um and then I'd like your your opinion on that parent tip okay no you know when you go to a baby show and you get them daft cards and you just yeah. write like drink water like yeah. there's some there's some really cool ones in here there's really funny ones there's really poignant ones there was ones that just made no sense because the mom was obviously having a baby on her titter she was typing and none of it made any sense so then one had to be called but afterwards I'd like you to send me your parent tip and I'll stick it in the jar for the next beautiful human that comes along. Amazing, Katie. So, I'll have a little wiggle about. So, tell your labour nurse, so your midwife, that you want to breastfeed, they should help. Uh, okay, this is, this is quite controversial then because I did not feed and really like prominently did not want to breastfeed. Um, so I think I would just take from that, communicate to your labour nurse if you would like to breastfeed or not. Um, because I had to constantly tell them that I did not want that baby anywhere near my sensitive nipples. <laughs> yeah. I also made them like hose them down before he came anywhere near me. And they were like, you'll feel different when he comes out. And I was like, I, I'm not touching him. I am not getting dirty. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I had dirt everywhere. Everything <laughs> was a hot mess. They like kind of held him and were like, and I went, they went, do you still want to wipe him down? I said, yeah, please. <laughs> want to try breastfeeding I went no I've said for the last 17 hours that I am not breastfeeding that wasn't the morphine I just I've got really sensitive nips like near them I don't want something sucking on me tit constantly like I everything works that's like for me that's like someone getting the nails and scratching them down the chalkboard like that's not what I'm signing up for I'll take the shitty nappies not the sucking on the nipple <laughs> I think as well, midwives and healthcare professionals need to respect that yeah. and not force it upon it. It doesn't matter how many times. And I, I imagine it does work with parents. I imagine they feel so shit 
that yeah. they don't want to do it and then that, that they feel crap because they've been told that well breast is best and you know they've been made to feel rubbish about it and then they're constantly being asked so the, I imagine people just go right just I'll try then I'll try and then yeah. it doesn't feel right or it hurts and the support isn't there breastfeeding is really fucking hard like oh, so if you've made the decision to not do it then that's absolutely fine and everybody should support that i agree here here <laughs> so that's it I all done thank you for inviting me no problem i just thank you for spending your evening with me same lush Okay, me dear. Well, thank you very much and have a good night. You too. See you later. And that's it. All done. If you'd like to share your own crazy stories on parenting, please follow me on Instagram and send me your journal entries at Mama Social Co. And I promise to keep them anonymous if you want me to. Also, remember to hit follow, subscribe, share. And if you want to leave me a little review, I'd really appreciate your feedback. So that's it. Have a great day and see you soon.